Welcome to Talking Mopars episode number 83. For this episode, I wanted to do a regular episode with Project Car of the Week, high performance parts and listener stories. The only difference is I wanted to do it live on Facebook. It was an experiment and I thought it went pretty well. You know, when you go live, there is no editing, folks. So, you know, I tripped and stumbled a few times and the plan was to read listener stories live on air. But as luck would have it, I screwed up. And when I was reading a story for high performance parts, I accidentally closed out all the emails for the stories and I was trying to get them loaded back up. And there was just so many of them that it ended up not working out. And I ended up just playing some voicemails, but I promise that I will do another live episode of Talking Mopars where I actually read your stories. It should be fun. And I really need to get used to doing live episodes. So this is just me you know, getting some practice in and honing my skills. So hopefully I'll be able to do more lives in the future that are regular episodes of the podcast because it's really fun for me to interact with the audience and, you know, to really test my skills. This is a craft that I'm working on and going live is not easy, especially when you're reading. It's really tough. But uh, I think with practice, I'll get better at it. And hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. You know that I like to experiment and just try new things and just see what works and what doesn't. So Hopefully you guys are on board and hopefully you're having as good of a time as I am. But you know what? Let's get into this episode. This was live on Facebook on Saturday night. We even had a couple surprise guests at the very end of the show. We had Johnny Mopar make an appearance and my friend Big Red. So it was a good time. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Now, without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. And this is Talking Mopars Live. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. I've never actually recorded uh, my podcast live, a solo episode where I do the full meal deal, listener stories, high performance parts, project car of the week. I've never done that before. So usually I have the power of editing and I don't have that tonight. So this may be a train wreck, folks, and I love a good train wreck. So here we go. <laughs> um for those of you that are just showing up, we got 12 people in here. This is a live version of the podcast, episode number 83. I didn't get it released last night, so it's going to be released tonight. And uh, like I said, I've never done one live, so I've never read listener stories live. I've never done anything like that. So this could be, uh, it's going to be a good time uh, that I can promise you. So I probably will kind of do my thing for a little bit. And if anybody wants to jump in, I will throw the link in the comments. And if you have a camera and you have headphones or earbuds, then you can jump on screen with me. But I'll probably get through um, Project Car of the... Actually, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just open it up. Who knows? We'll see. What's up, bud? <laughs> Let's uh let's get this thing going. Welcome to episode number 83 of Talking Mopars. Tonight we're just gonna we're gonna wing it. We've got 
Project Car of the Week, High Performance Parts and Listener Stories. And this is live. So for the people that are listening to this later, there is no editing involved. This is all just raw, uncut, uncensored, unfiltered, and the podcast at its best. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. And this is Talking Mopars. And we are live. Welcome to the first episode of Talking Mopars, the podcast live, solo. Usually I have some friends with me to help to help uh, pick up my slack, but I've got nobody right now. So we're just going to go ahead and wing it. Tyler, what's up, buddy? New listener, huh? I appreciate that. I, I hope uh, you're enjoying the podcast. I don't know if you started at episode one, but I've been doing this project where for the supporters of my show, I'm actually going to review the episode starting at episode number one and kind of revisiting them a little bit. And just because, I mean, since episode one, if you're starting at episode one and you haven't heard any of the later stuff, um, excluding the live streams with all my buddies, uh, it definitely has evolved. The podcast has definitely evolved. And I was listening to the first episode the other day and I, I just couldn't believe you know, how far it's come. You can tell that I was a little, <laughs> when I first, when I first started recording the show, my friends, uh, were reaching out to me saying, Hey man, you sound really monotone. You're not your normal self. <laughs> and, uh, I totally understood where they were coming from because I wasn't, I was listening to it. I was just like, wow, I sound like I was on some, you know, cough syrup or something. I don't know. It was, it was pretty bad, but, um, it's definitely come along. And if you start at episode one, you've got a long way to go. But uh, you'll get caught up and hopefully you enjoy the content that I've provided up until this point and hopefully you'll enjoy everything moving forward. But uh, I always like hearing that um, people are new listeners because, you know, I have the, the old crew that's been there since the beginning and I appreciate every single one of you guys. But every new listener I get is something good and I love hearing from you guys. So thank you, Tyler. If you have a Mopar story, you can reach out to me, Chris at talkingmopars.com. Send me your story, or you can record a voice message on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. I will play the message. So let's go ahead and get started. Bud, going to bed. It's early. To, uh, I guess it might not be early where you're at. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and get started with Project Car of the Week. This, I'm going to have to share my screen here. This is the first time anybody's ever been able to actually see this because usually I'm just by myself looking at the car. So this was posted on the 28th and it, uh, what do we got going on here? What happened? This was posted on the 28th. And it was only for supporters. So only the supporters of the show got to see this car. And try to figure out where you guys are at. Okay, here we go. Um, it's a 71 Dodge Demon for seven grand in Albuquerque, New Mexico.
And let's let's read the ad here. Sorry for the lulls here. I'm trying to my computer's running a little slow right now. Okay. So it's a 71 Dodge Demon for seven grand in Albuquerque. And this is the ad. Selling a 1971 Dodge Demon 318 904 automatic, eight and three quarter rear axle, original B5 blue, needs bodywork and brakes gone through. Front and rear bucket seats are in excellent condition, just missing seat rails. Usual rusty areas on the quarter panels, front floor pan, and small areas on firewall. The engine runs good. Other than the carburetor getting dirty, the gas tank will need to be cleaned. The transmission is in good working order and shifts good. Taking offers no trades. And then he supplies his phone number. Apparently, the title status is clean. Let's take a closer look at these pictures here. So I, I like this because I'm a big fan of ratty muscle cars. And it looks to be, I mean, aside from the quarters here, I mean, it seems pretty solid that I like to look at the back windows because that just seems like a royal pain in the ass to fix compared to quarters. Um, but the car looks reasonably straight. I mean, seven grand, it's kind of like a, you know, where, where does that fall in the grand scheme of things as far as pricing? But, you know, I've seen a lot worse for a lot more, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, I don't have a problem with this car at all being seven grand. I would probably try to get closer to five or less, but you know, I'm also not buying it. So, <laughs> uh, but it seems pretty solid. I don't see a tag. Oh, wait, no, there it is. Yeah. So it does have a fender tag. That's good. Um, it seems to be, I mean, reasonably solid. The battery tray looks in pretty good condition. Um, it's got some headers. Um, I don't know. I, sometimes you pop the hood on these cars and you can just see under hood is just rusted. The battery tray's gone. And even the fender tags are rotting out of them. But this thing looks pretty solid. The outside is just, you know, sunburned really bad. Underneath looks pretty good. Frame rails look good. Um, or at least this one. Um, it doesn't look too bad. You, you can also get underneath these things and just see just thick rust underneath. Maybe not rotting rust, but like really thick um, rust. Even the, uh, the spare tire area in the trunk doesn't look too bad. Probably could be patched a little bit, but it's, if it's a, you know, the, that quarter right there looks pretty gnarly. Um, not as bad as the other side, but uh, so this one could probably just use a lower patch panel and the other one, probably a lower patch panel too. I don't remember how, let's see how bad that one looked. Uh, yeah. If you can get the, if you can get that much of the lower quarter, you could probably just get a patch for that. But uh, I mean, you know, 71 demon seven grand eh. like i said i'd probably be around five i like the interior a blue with white interior would be really nice so it looks like he's got some extra tail lights and some a bunch of radios in the trunk uh i wish he didn't have anything in the trunk so we could actually see what condition it's really in but i mean even the back window looks really solid i don't see any rust there so it's probably been a new mexico or a southwest car its whole life and that's why the <laughs> the car's exterior is so sunburned and uh yeah it looks pretty solid um 318 car 904 you know it's got an eight and three quarter you know it's it's a solid project i would say um it says it runs so it runs and it shifts well so i'm sure you know you go through the brakes and all the all the safety stuff and you got yourself a nice little ratty muscle car you know, the interior that he's got for it, the, the new seats or whatever, or at least the really good shape seats um, will look really sharp in here. So this was uh, shared with the supporters of the podcast. Um, title status is clean. I don't remember if I mentioned that, but uh, yeah, 
go. You do have to find some seat rails though, because he doesn't have the seat rails for these buckets. And when I had my dart, I was looking for some bucket seat rails and they were a pain in the ass to find. <laughs> and when I did find them, they were rusty and expensive. I ended up just buying um, a set of uh, swinger seats, swinger buckets that had uh, the rails and stuff on them and the seat tracks. So that was project car of the week. And for, <laughs> this is a lot different than doing it, doing the podcast by myself because I, uh, I have time to get myself ready for the next segment and I don't now. <laughs> so this is definitely a, definitely a different, a different thing that we're doing here. Um, Gary, the price on the demon was seven grand, but overall, I think it was a good project. Um, yeah, but I do think the demon's pretty cool. Um, I wouldn't mind having it, you know, and when it comes to pricing, it's really easy to sit here and be like, oh, it's not priced too bad because I'm not going to buy the car. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I was in the market, I definitely would. I'm a low baller. I would hit him really low and see where he goes from there. But there is a point where you hit so low that you insult the guy or gal, depending, and they just don't want anything to do with you. So I've been there before, too. <laughs> so there is a you know, a realistic price. Of course you want the car for 1500 bucks, but you're probably not going to get it for 1500 bucks. So a reasonable offer I think would be around five grand. See where he goes from there. But seven grand, I probably wouldn't have any, if it's as solid as it looks in the pictures, I mean, quarters. Okay. What Mopar? I mean, <laughs> a lot of the Mopars I've seen probably a, a overwhelming majority of the Mopar project cars that I've posted in the past five years have needed quarter work, you know, whether it be lower quarters or the whole quarter panel. So I'm never surprised when I see Mopars that need quarter work. So that was project car of the week. Let's move on to high performance parts. Now, my friend Steven gave me the tip on this week's high performance part. And for those of you that are new to the show, high performance parts is a segment of the show where I know you're thinking, oh, was he going to talk about carburetors or you know headers or something? No, high performance parts is a segment of the show where I talk about cars, Mopars that are in TV or movies or music videos. I just like talking about cars that I've seen, I've seen on the big screen. And sometimes people send me ideas of cars that I've never seen on shows or T or on uh, movies. And it's always fun to get those because it's something new that I haven't seen yet. And it gives me a chance to take a look for myself and see what it's all about. So Steven Sweeney sent me one and it was, let me share the screen here for those of you watching. It's actually a 1957 Chrysler 300 C. Now for those of you that, okay, now I lost the, I lost the tab. Great. <laughs> okay. Hold on a second, folks. <clears throat> Let me just pull up Google here real quick. So it's a 1957 Chrysler 300 C from crime store. I see it's still in my search history here. <clears throat> okay. So the movie or uh, the TV show, what is going on here? Hold on a second, folks. There we go. The TV show Crime Story. And I've never, I've never heard of the show or anything. <laughs> so I don't know anything about the show, but apparently it ran for two years from 1986 to 1988. And it had 
a Chrysler 300C in the show. A convertible, nonetheless. That's crazy. So a little history of the Chrysler 300C, um, the 57 in particular, is I believe, now I'm not an expert on the forward look era, so forgive me, but I do know a little bit about the car because it is special. Um, 1957, I believe, was the introduction of the forward look design. So the fins in the back and the, the long, low look of the cars from the late 50s from Chrysler. So it's commonly referred to as the forward look era. And the 1957 Chrysler 300C was a special car because, if I remember right, because I did a whole series on the Hemis. And in the first generation Hemi, it went from 354 cubic inches up to 392. So for those of you modern Mopar guys thinking that you have the only 392 in high performance history, that's not true. The 1957 Chrysler 300 actually had the first 392 and it had 375 horsepower and 420 pound feet of torque. And it was, it was basically like the first muscle car and it was widely regarded as like, you know, the badass high performance car on the street. And there was a race version that had like almost 400 horsepower, it was like 390 horsepower. And I believe you could only get in a manual transmission, um, three on the tree, I think, something like that. I would have to, I would have to do more research and I didn't. But what I do know is that the 57 Chrysler 300 was a game changer. And I, I think it's, maybe I can find some information. I believe it was like referred to as like the first muscle car. <laughs> um, and maybe the most powerful. Uh, American um, car up until that point. I don't know. Uh, but I do know I like them and the convertibles. So if you were to find like from, from this TV show, you got a black one with red interior. It looks like, like I said, I've never seen the show. Um, but if this car showed up at Barrett Jackson right now, you're probably looking at a quarter million dollars. <laughs> you know, that's how crazy these cars were. Um, let's see if I can find some more information about the car. Uh, bangshift.com. Let's see what bangshift.com says about it. Wow. So <laughs> this is on bangshift.com. They did a, a little story about the show. And I'm not going to read all this. But apparently... Oh, wow. Gary Sinise, isn't it? Um, that's Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump, for those of you that don't know. Um, I don't know if I can play this trailer without getting booted or a copyright strike, so I won't do that. But uh, apparently it's a cop show and obviously crime story, right? <laughs> um, I don't see any information about the show, really, that's easy to digest here. Um, but bottom line is a, it's a 57 Chrysler 300. Let's see if we can just find some more pictures of it. It doesn't seem like there's very many. That's Pinterest. Here we go. The IMCDB is the Internet Movie Cars database. Let's see what they say about it. Uh, of course, they don't say anything. Apparently, it's got incorrect red interior. I don't know what that what that means. I don't know if it was never supposed to have red interior or what, but it. from what I see, it's a pretty cool car. I can't believe I can't find any information about it, but thank you, Stephen, for 
giving me this high performance part. Um, zero information. Either that or I'm just doing a horrible job because this is live. <laughs> uh, Chrysler 300 Club. Maybe they've got some information about it. All right, let's just see here. Um, okay. Okay, so this is this guy is posting about the story of the car. <clears throat> so let's just let's just read the crime story 300C. Um, this you can find this story on Chrysler300Club.com. So shout out to those guys. Hopefully you guys don't mind me reading this story, but this is the story of the, apparently of the 300 C from crime story. Let me just take a swig of water real quick. The moral of this story is count your fingers after any Hollywood deal. I still do not know how the property people found me. There had been some talk in the 300 community that Michael Mann was looking for a C convertible for the production of red dragon filming in Florida during 1985. This production was eventually released as Manhunter and had about 15 seconds of a 300C visible in a fuzzy dream sequence. That car was supplied by Phil Nixon of Vero Beach, Florida, and later communication with him indicated he was not too happy with the production people. After searching the country and finding them several substitutes, they settled on offering me the deal for the crime story car for Lieutenant Mike Torello of the CPD MCU, the Chicago Police Department Major Crime Unit. I sold them 100% pure. 1957 300C convertible with a mint dash, passable interior, and 30 years of Chicago rust. They bought it for $14,000 and gave me a right of refusal to buy it back for $9,000 at the end of Chicago production in October of 1986. They wanted a sales agreement so they could control use of the car and alleviate liability problems of a lease or rental deal. That was the plan. That is not how it went. Okay, this is, we landed across a pretty cool story here. <laughs> They wanted a 1957 300C convertible because the lead writer of the series was an ex-cop and the series was going to be as authentic to detail in every way. The pilot script also had on manifest a 1963 Buck Rogers, which was a reference to a T-Bird dashboard. A crisis in this cop's life occurred because in 1958 there arose a question of how could a $4,000 per year cop afford a $6,000 car? Such as such as was such as was explained to me, the series was to follow in flashback the purchase of the car and the subsequent brouhaha when the mob moved in to remove him. The original plot was set was to be set in Chicago in 1963 with flashbacks to the 1950s until the cop Mike Torello was jailed in 1965. This was to take place in the first six the first six episodes. See, I told you guys it was going to be a train wreck. <laughs> Then production was to move to Las Vegas and the 1970s as Mike Torello was cleared and became a Justice Department fed and drove a charger. Unfortunately, market research after the first three episodes showed that viewership was based on the cars, the songs, and the nostalgia of the 60s. If you want the real story, go rent and view the most recent movies, Casino and Heat, as they are what Crime Story was all about. I should mention here that all the people in Crime Story are real. The events all occurred and only some liberty was taken with time sequence in the scripting of the plot. Names were changed to protect the guilty and ward off lawsuits. I have kept a clipping I have, I have kept a clipping file of the principles as they each die off or are otherwise set free. Some are still in the rackets, including some cast members. This is crazy. Oh my God, this story's long. <sighs> well, if I'm going to be reading listener stories later, we might as well get warmed up. 
They came for my car at 10.30 p.m. on April 21st, 1986. It showed up for production on May 20th, 1986. Creative Studios and Automobile Specialties of Chicago did a rechrome, Bondo repaint, deluxe wet paint, and vinyl interior resto job on the car in 30 days. Wow. They replaced my near-new 235 R7014 Goodyear Wide Whites with Remington F70s. Chuck Adamson, the real, the real cop, owned a parade green 300. Michael Mann, however, wanted a black car with red interior since... That had worked so well in Miami Vice. So my white car went black and the brand new tan interior got sprayed red along with the dash, steering wheel, and all the side panels of the interior. During rebirth, they also lost my mint boot. For production, they installed rear brake, lockout valve, air shocks from a Peterbilt and welded tow bar mounts onto the frame. They also fungoed the, <laughs> fungoed the power seat and did some other bad moves I will later relate. I had disconnected the speedometer because the bearing was making noise. It remained... It remains so during the entire two-year production. I have no idea of the miles put on the car, but I do know it was flat-bedded from point to point. It had 37,000 miles on the odometer when I bought it in 1976. When I finally tuned it in the 1980s to go to a Detroit WPC meet, I replaced the original rotor and cap. Came October of 1986. I called the producer, third one, to get my car back. I was informed of the decision to move production to Vegas and stay stuck in the 1960s and to stick with my 300C. Verbally, my buyback was set to end of production, and I started to check things out. They had offered me a part as a bartender, but there was no way I could invest the time needed. Most of the shooting was being done from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. to avoid street interference. In fact, I never made it down to production while they were in Chicago. Through friends, I started finding out how to get my car back. To shorten the story considerably, I discovered the following. They never transferred my Illinois title. A very good friend turned out to be the controller of the money company that New World Productions was run by. Number three, an old college friend still has lots of pull in NBC. When the end came in 1988, they were getting testy about me getting my car back. I later heard Michael Mann had been seen driving around LA, not Vegas. This was interesting as liability-wise, I owned the car. After securing my Illinois title and being given some inside info about the show not being renewed, I quickly arranged to pick up the car in Las, Las Vegas on June 23, 1988 for, for $6,750. I did graduate high school, folks. So if you're, if you're listening to me read this like, gosh, you can't even read. <laughs> I can't, trust me. I never revealed the title situation to them. When they found out for me two days before they found out from new world and from nbc that the party was over i guess they decided not to mess around i should have i should have held out for free return but that could have muddied my options i paid them for my own car and never brought out the fact the car was stolen after flying to vegas i addressed i assessed the damages the right front eye bolt was missing for the tow bar mount as was part of the frame they replaced my correct my new correct white with tan roof with a plymouth white with black roof Tension from a two-inch shorter roof broke both roof rails at the header. The transmission was rebuilt in Las Vegas with low-speed governor, no cooler connections, and torque converter cover was missing. After fixing Speedo, found 65 miles an hour, read 90 miles an hour. During jumping maneuvers, the windshield got separated from the top of the frame. The right door skin got replaced by a hammer hand. While left in the desert, the seals and the lift mechanism shrunk and now leak, and my mint supple dash is now like everyone else's. Everybody else's. The spare tire was missing, but I did find the dash mirror in the trunk. I didn't find any of the six pairs of taillight lenses I left with the car in 1986. The car was in the production warehouse southeast of town. 19 other cars were in front of me, and the building had only a loading dock exit. 
They had only two 100 by 400 foot units, one for sets and the other for props. We found one charge battery to start and move all the cars, but only after a 10 car transporter was secured to do the job. One poor weary production person was out there to straighten out the mess with the only phone at the empty Thunderbird motel five miles away. After two days, we were on the road back to Elmhurst, Illinois. Without the help of local Las Vegas 300C owner Clarence Bacon, the task would have been a whole lot rougher. We had noticed the generator belt squealing and tightened it up. I noticed the radio was dead and there were no interior lights. In the middle of the Utah desert at about 90 miles an hour, I found out why. No, later I found out. I found out why. No, later I found out. Okay. When the pulley snapped off the generator in Utah, I knew something was amiss. Not trusting the battery in Las Vegas, I bought a new diehard. I proceeded on the journey with wife Kathy. After all, it is her th- it is her 300 and sons Brian, then 11, and Dan, then 7 years old. We stopped at every auto parts place along the way. To every pimple-picking kid behind the counter, I had to explain G-E-N-E-R-A-T-O-R, not alternator. <laughs> Generator. <laughs> That's funny. I might as well have spoken Urdu. I don't even know what that is. In Grand, Junction, in Grand Junction, Colorado, we stayed the night and bought another Die Hard and a Charger. I also called ahead to 300 Club member Chuck Clark. <laughs> I also called ahead to 300 Club member Chuck Clark in Littleton, Colorado, to see if he knew any 300 people who had a generator in stock. I had brought all my ro- I had brought all my rosters with me. No generators existed west of the Rockies. We traveled the Continental Divide on battery power alone. A rainstorm in Denver almost stopped the car when I turned the wipers on. We located a generator in Golden, Colorado and got it installed. Zap! I polarized the regulator and boy did it charge the battery. I got the first wiggle that I had seen on the ammeter. Thanks and goodbye, we are on the road again. Ten minutes at street speed to the motel and I noticed the ammeter is pinned and smoke is coming from the new 300D generator which I finally had rebuilt and sent back. It came from a 58300D fuel injection car. I never paid any attention to the wiring. Seems it is an old movie trick to ground the field and short the regulator so it doesn't. This results in full output to the battery so the startup start-stop of production doesn't run the battery down. Remember, flatbedded everywhere. I found this out in Elmhurst days later after I paid attention to the color of the wires. We made it home on battery power alone, driving by daylight, no radio, burned out, and using no electricity but to start and run. I had two batteries and charged one and swapped every night. We left Vegas on the 23rd and got home on the 27th. I had replaced the plugs in Vegas, where two were fouled and were all cruddy. It ran beautifully and only ran out of gas once in Nebraska. No gauges, and I pushed it a bit too close, running out of gas two miles from the next planned stop. It was running about 15 miles per gallon. Remember, no odometer. I have done very little of the car. Huge chunks of paint had chipped off the trunk. I painted the trunk after filling a bullet dent on the rear edge. The car has been driven 500 to 1,000 miles a year since her return in 1988. I repainted and did work work to my other 300C convertibles. Convertibles, so his is white and her is the gloomy gloomy black. Jeez. Son Brian is now in college and son Dan will soon be needing his tuition. I haven't been fully employed since shortly after the return of the car and been in labor court action until last year. Thus, the current sale of 3N572063, originally delivered in Aurora, Illinois, bought in 1959 by a used car dealer on the south side of Chicago for his wife, only with a roof down street dragging for 12 years night only, hence dash condition, the terror of Tolman Avenue. Bought by me in 1976 with original blue streaks and all, used by the New World Productions under Michael Mann from 
April 21st, 1986 to June 23rd, 1988 for crime story television cop Mike Torello, actor Dennis Farina, and for one episode with actress Julia Roberts in broadcast February 21st, 1987. Uh, I have her script. It was one of the goodies I found in the trunk. That's cool. It has coaching notes on it for her and Deborah Sandlin, who played her mother in an episode about cop father abusing daughter. He died. There is part of the story. The car now needs a water pump, a roof, and could use the carbs rebuilt. The body needs freshening, and the quandary is whether to return it to white and original or keep it its funky personality car. The TV show was a moderate success and underappreciated at the time. It had an immense impact on exposure for the Chrysler 300, and the late 80s brought a soaring demand for our relatively unknown cars. Hollywood took notice, and thus, when Robert Redford did Quiz Show in 1994, the setting of the film was established by the Chrysler 300 reference. I had several offers for the car immediately after and during production. We opted not to sell then because we knew something like this brute would never be available to us again. The car has been to Iolo twice and many Chicago area shows. When George Berg was in town, we would have 357 converts, <laughs> 357 convertibles and a decoupe together. That's really cool. Many Chicago collectors bought 300s were common. Many Chicago collectors thought 300s were were common not realizing they kept seeing the same cars over and over again. On August 1st, 1996, I replaced the second 1966 Die Hard. The kid at Sears informed me, the diodes are bad. Wow. What a story. That is crazy. I hope you were able to follow along there. <laughs> I'm sure my reading didn't help. So let's go ahead and stop sharing the screen. Oh, man, that was rough. Yes, Gary, it was a racing heart. <laughs> so that was high performance parts and uh, somewhat of a train wreck. Sorry about that, guys. I really wasn't expecting to read an article, but it got me warmed up for the next segment, which is listener stories. And I have a bunch of listener stories stocked up. And I think. <laughs> OK, let me. uh I had all the windows open and now they're gone. So that's very cool. I had this all set up. So what we're going to have to do is find. Oh man. So let me, uh, while I'm trying to hunt down these listener stories, let me tell you guys what's been up with my van and the Mr. Norm truck. Um, so the van is now completely stripped. I stripped out all the old paneling inside it and took it all the, all the debris and stuff to the dump. I still have to go in there with some goo gone or some sort of adhesive remover to get the glue from the carpet that they had in the back off of the metal. And then what I'm going to do from there, um, I vacuumed it all out and stuff and it's still a complete mess. So I still have to sand down the roof and also hit, um, the bed of the van with, some uh, truck bed liners, what I'm going to do. So I'm going to sand everything down. I'm going to prime it and uh, encapsulate whatever rust is underneath. I don't know if I'm going to patch anything. There's a couple little rust spots, but I don't even know if they're worth patching, to be honest. So I'm probably not even going to do that. Um, what I'll probably end up doing is 
getting that rhino line or not rhino line, just whatever universal bed liner I can use. And then I'm going to start paneling out the van um, and getting the back uh, presentable. But first things first, I do need to get it running. So I got a fan clutch for it and um, an alternator, uh, a new belt, some fuel line, and I have an extra battery. So I'm going to throw all that stuff on it and I'm just going to let it rip because when I got the van, one of the fuel lines was missing or cut. Um, and the one after the carb that goes to, uh, or the one after the pump that goes to the carb just after the filter, they cut it off. So it should be a quick fix. Um, I may put a new, I, actually, I will put a new fuel filter on it just to be safe. Um, and then, uh, for, like I said, the back, I'm going to get all paneled out and stuff, but I haven't really decided what I want to do for the back of the van yet. I have a couple different ideas, but I haven't locked anything in. All I know is I need to take care of the scale rust on the ceiling or on the roof and then get the floor done. And I'm probably, I'm probably just going to do the floor and the roof. And then, cause the, the sides aren't really bad. I mean, they might need to be sanded a little bit. Maybe I'll shoot a little encapsulator on there, but, uh, I'm going to put kill mat down. So I'm going to get the sound deadening, um, cover everything from the cab back and then carpets going in the cab. And then in the, in the cargo area, I, I really wanted to do like hardwood floors or, um, some sort of repurposed wood, but, or reclaimed wood, but I haven't really decided. And that wouldn't be too good acoustically if I ever wanted to record the podcast from inside the van. So I have to, I have to do a little bit more research on that, but other things, I do have a set of seats. Um, I have a set of Ram charger seats for the van buckets. So they'll be going in. They're a little rough, but I'll probably end up having them recovered at some point. And I do have, I mean, for those of you that have been paying attention to my social media, you'll see that I had a giant debacle with the wheels and tires of this van because I, t <laughs> I took the wheels and tires to a local tire store that was open on Sundays. And it was one of the only ones that was open on Sundays. And I've used them in the past. I had the mountain balance, the tires on the Mr. Norm tribute truck, and they did okay. You know, the only... The only issue then was that they couldn't get the passenger side wheel off of the truck to put the new wheels on. So they didn't want to use any of my techniques because they didn't feel like it was safe and they didn't want to damage anything. So I took it home. I took a little crack lighter, torched the hub, pulled the wheel off and got the new wheels and tires on the Mr. Norm truck. So fast forward to a couple weeks ago, I go in there on a Sunday, just looking to have the wheels and tires mounted and balanced. Now I got Mickey Thompson street tires, um, white letters and us mag indie one, uh, U 101s. So 15 by tens in the back and 15 by eights in the front and the tires in the rear, two seventy five sixties tires in the front are two forty five sixties. So nothing crazy, a little staggered, nothing, nothing too crazy, but, uh, I dropped the wheels and tires off and I did, I'm going to try to make this story pretty short. <laughs> so I, I did look at two of the wheels with the guy at the front desk because he wanted to see to make sure they could even do them, which was a little curious to me because I was like, I mean, your tire shop can't, I mean, <laughs> we're not putting 30 inch wheels on this thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he says, okay, yeah, we can do it. Just drop it off here. It'll be an hour or an hour and a half, right? A couple hours later, I get a call. Hey, uh, Chris, you know, these, these wheels are damaged. <laughs> and uh, I said, excuse me? 
And to make a long story short, and if you want, you can go back on, on my social media feed and see the, see some of the story. But basically, they ended up damaging my wheels because the machine that they used, the head of the machine that makes contact with the bead of the wheel that was plastic, was all chewed up. So it chewed up my beads on three of my wheels. So after a whole hoopla with the manager and him telling me that it was impossible that that could happen because they use a plastic head on their machine. And I had to point out, well, if your, if your head is all jacked up, then of course it's going to jack up my beat. So he was trying to get away with repairing my wheels, my brand new wheels. He wanted to repair them as the fix. And eventually I came to my senses and contacted corporate. And I said, I want my wheels replaced. They said, okay. So they ordered me three new wheels. They ended up coming in. And the guy from corporate said, I'll be there to supervise and make sure it's done right and get you taken care of. And after a few lies and not calling me to let me know the wheels were in, I, I was at my wits end. I get in there and the guy, the corporate guy who was supposed to put the wheels on correctly or at least supervise to make sure they were done correctly, ended up damaging one of my wheels. <laughs> of course, right? So he damaged the wheel. And thankfully, he ordered two pairs. So he ordered two 15 by 8s and two 15 by 10s when it was just one 15 by 8 and two 15 by 10s that were damaged. So he had, thankfully, he damaged the 15 by 8. So he had an extra one. So he threw it all together. And <laughs> there's a little bit more to the story. There was some yelling and uh, it was pretty bad. I was really angry, but it's over now. I've got the wheels and tires. One side is on the van. Um, I just wanted to check fit, and I still haven't put the other side on. I'm probably going to do that after this podcast. Um, but uh, I've also been working on the paint a little bit on this van. I took some rubbing compound to one of the panels. And if you look at the van, like in person, you can tell a lot better, obviously. But in pictures, you can see it's kind of like um, it's hazy and kind of oxidized, and it just doesn't look good. It's not shiny. But if you take some rubbing compound and you rub it, it brings out the paint really, really nice. And the paint color on this van is sable, sable sunfire metallic or something like that. And it's just a really beautiful brown. It's got a really nice shimmery flake in it um, when you hit it with the light. And when I took some compound to it, it brought it right out. And that was just by hand. And what I want to do is I want to do three stages. I want to do the compound. I want to do polish and then I want to wax it and I'm going to do it. I've decided to do it instead of by hand. I'm going to do it with my rotary and I'm using foam pads and I used to detail cars. So I'm used to a rotary. I've only ever detailed with a rotary. So I should have no problems as long as I just, you know, be easy on it. You know what I mean? So I'm hoping I can restore, <laughs> restore the paint a little bit and get it to at least shine a little bit again, at least look better than it does now. You know, because now it's got these nice, you know, mag, these indie mags on it. And uh, it looks really, it looks really nice. Um, so they're polished and they just, they stick out like a sore thumb against the flattened paint. So I definitely need to bring some of that shimmer back out. So we're going to get the paint better. We're going to work on the interior some more, but I really need to get it running so I can get it in and out of the garage because I really need the Mr. Norm truck back in the garage. And I tried to take it to work on Friday morning and it started. I had to coax it to start a little bit, but it did start and was idling really nice. And 
I probably only had, cause I, I act as the choke in that thing. Cause it has no choke hooked up to it. So I was in it and idling it up a little bit. And then, uh, for a few minutes I let off the throttle and it's idling nice at about 800 RPMs. So I'm like, okay. And I start getting ready to take off and the thing dies on me and I cannot get it started again. So I'm like, great. Now I've already done plugs, wires, cap, rotor, coil, um, And I, I threw a new ballast resistor on it just to see. And I adjusted the timing, hooked a vacuum gauge up to it, and got it got the idle mixture dialed in. And it was I had my friend come, my friend Mike came and helped me, and we had it running really smooth, a lot smoother than it had run previously. And it was no longer falling on its face completely in first gear. I could actually do a burnout, so it was fun. Um, but. Uh, I tried to get in it today because the exhaust is leaking, <laughs> which really pisses me off. So I had an appointment to go to the exhaust shop and have them patch up the exhaust job they did. And unfortunately, I couldn't get it started. <laughs> so I'm sitting there this morning like, come on, you're going to start for me. I know I was I was literally saying you're going to start for me because you didn't have a problem the other morning and it was just a fluke that you died. But I was wrong and I started troubleshooting it's getting sparked it's getting fuel and one thing i have not yet checked now if you know anything about tin grills you'll know that the bulkhead connector is notorious for melting these trucks to the ground and it's usually because of the um the amp gauge and to save you all the technical details there's so much energy running through that amp wire that goes into the back of the gauge cluster that it it typically overheats and melts everything down it melts the back of the cluster so the circuit board gets melted and it melts the bulkhead connector and the wires get torched it's just it's nasty i pulled the bulkhead connector out and sure as anything the power wire going to the ammeter was really really crispy <laughs> so i'm gonna have to go through that and just get it uh get it buttoned up really nice. And my friend Paul from the Tin Grill Dodge Trucks page noticed that uh, the metal, I guess you could call it clamp, that holds all the um, connectors at the bulkhead onto the firewall securely so they don't get jacked around, um, wasn't secured right. And I never knew how they were secured, to be honest. So uh, he sent me some pictures and I was like, oh, I get it. So it was never secured right. So that was an issue. So I'm just going to go through the wiring and especially the bulkhead connector and get that all taken care of. But here's the thing. I recently had um, MrHeaterBox.com, Brent from MrHeaterBox. I linked up with him and had him restore me a cluster. So I have a fully restored cluster in a box waiting to install in the Mr. Norm Tribute truck. And the plan was to get the exhaust done, pull it into the garage and start tearing into it because I've got a couple other things I wanted to do to it. and now it won't run. So I got to fix it out in the driveway, which pisses me off too. But you know, it is what it is. But the cluster is really cool. I should really share pictures of it because I'm really excited. I had them. My truck has an 85 mile an hour speedometer on it. I never liked it. I, I hate 85 mile an hour speedometers. Don't ask me why. It's just a pet peeve of mine. And so I had them make the new speedometer, the restored one, 150 miles an hour. And it's calibrated and everything. So it's good to go. So 
and the ammeter has been fireproofed. So I won't have to worry about that. So I'm going to button that up and get, get the truck going again and then uh, start looking into some things that I need to do to that thing. So two main missions, get the truck running again, fix that wiring problem I have with it and get the van running. And then uh, little things here and there. Um, but that's pretty much the update of what I've been up to. Um, really, uh, really enjoying these live streams. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, they're never planned. I usually wing them. This one's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty loosey goosey, just going for it. And, um, I tried to stall and get all the listener stories up, but that didn't work out as planned. So, and after reading that crime story thing, I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready to read stories live yet. So what we're going to do, I'm going to give a shout out to everybody that sent me stories though just to let you know that I have got your stories, anything that was sent to me through the website, talkingmopars.com or through my email, Chris at talkingmopars.com. Um, I got all your messages. Some of the messages that I've received on Facebook and Instagram, um, for stories, they're buried. So I need to go find those ones. So those of you that are listening to this, that sent me a story through my Facebook page or my Instagram, sit tight. I will go through all that and find them and then get those read. But the listener stories that I was planning on reading tonight, and there's a lot of them. I don't know even know how I was going to get through them. But these are the messages I got. Rich Cash, Lee Kelly, Dodgy Ross, James, Kyle, Jake, uh, 440 Dodge left me a review on Podbean. I thought that was pretty cool. So I was going to read that. Alicia Williams, uh, Keith with the Challenger. Got to talk about that. Max from Europe. Going to talk to you a little bit. Um, Nathaniel. Austin gone, Blaine, Dillian, and there was a message from Darren Kirkpatrick. He really wants to come on the show. So, you know, I, I told him uh, that he could come on the show. Yeah, no problem. And he was going to bring Josh with him. These guys used to work at Graveyard Cars. And I told them at first, I was like, hey, man, I don't mind you guys coming on the show. I'm actually really excited to talk to him. But uh, I I was I was worried that it was going to be a uh, uh, bash graveyard cars <laughs> session. And I, I really didn't want that because I'm not interested in that kind of drama. But then I realized, you know, my friend Blake told me, hey, man, you you're against you're against censorship and you like free speech. So just let the conversation go where it goes. And I, you know, after thinking about it, I was like, yeah, I mean, why would I tell somebody, hey, let's not talk about that. I'm not I'm not that type of guy. So, Darren, I'm sorry if I said that to you, buddy. We'll get you on the show. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about as long as it's related to Mopars. I don't care. We'll just see where it goes. If you want to bash Mark, I guess bash Mark. I mean, I, I don't know the guy personally. So that's, that's you know, everybody has a right to their own opinion. And on talking Mopars, you know, Blake was right. I'm not going to censor anybody. So, you know, unless you cuss, uh, you know, I try to keep it a family show for the most part. But uh, that's the only time I'll really censor somebody. And that's just a beep. So. Um, for anybody that's afraid of coming on the podcast there because they're afraid they're going to say something crazy. Don't worry about it. I say stupid stuff all the time. <laughs> so, um, what we're going to do instead for listener stories is I have a bunch of messages that, uh, Hey Darren, what's up buddy? <laughs> um, I have a bunch of messages, um, on my Google that we can play. I haven't even heard them yet. So this could be crazy again. I know Tad sent some stories in. Thanks, Tad. <laughs> I do like getting his stories. That sounded bad. I'm like, thanks, Tad. Um, so actually there's a lot. <laughs> okay. 
All right, let me see if we can do this here. <clears throat> this is Tad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let me just count them. <laughs> so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven messages from Tad. So I guess take her away, Tad. Whoops, what did I do? Great. I would never be a good newscaster on TV. It would be awful. Uh, here we go. Hold on. I can't hear this. What's what's happening here? Hold on, folks. Um, All right, here we go. Hey, Chris, it's Tad. Hey, I was listening to the uh, latest uh, podcast of yours this morning. You were talking about project cars and stuff, and um, you mentioned something that made me think. Like, it, I think a cool series would be, I say series because I don't think you could do it in one podcast unless it was really long, but a cool series would be, like what it takes to do a major restoration. I mean, I don't think until someone has gone through it completely, they would really know everything that's going to be involved in the space you need and the tools you need. And I mean, even the fact that it may look difficult to weld and to do things, but that those things can be learned here. Um, so I was thinking about that. I mean, I'm going through it now and I've, I've bought cars that are, totally painted and body work done, but boxes full of parts and put those back together. I've bought cars that were projects, but drivable and slowly over the years, put those back together. And then the super B recently, which is a complete project. And I mean, needed to be completely dismantled, but even that experience and the time it takes, um, even the money, it's like, I'm looking at the lower dash pads, and mine are in decent shape. Like I could put them in <clears throat> and they would work. But I, I contacted Just Dashes to get a quote on just the lower dash pads and having them reformed and cleaned up. And I think it was $1,200. So, I mean, little things that you wouldn't think about or that you don't think about until you have to do it. But uh, anyway, might be a cool series and just have people on or talk to some people that have gone through the different processes and, and give their input. But uh, anyway, I'm still listening right now. You're uh, looking for the Smashing Pumpkins car. So uh, I can't hear anything. So there's no loud noises or anything on my side. Anyway, talk to you later, man. Tad. Yeah, that's a, uh, the problem with audio <laughs> is, you know, obviously you don't have the visuals unless it's something like this where, I can record a live stream and then, you know, post the audio as a podcast. Um, I really liked when you came on the show and were showing us your super B dude. Um, Tad was on a live once and he was in his shop in his garage and showing us his super B and the work he's um, completed on it because he's been restoring it. And it was really fun. And I would really like to get into that. And, uh, yeah, I would love to hear 
more in-depth stories and um, information about restorations because I've never restored a car. You know, I'm not like Darren Kirkpatrick, you know what I mean? He's restored a bunch of cars. Um, and I know there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are in the midst of restorations or that have a lot of experience restoring cars. I love to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, some technical stuff will probably go over my head, but that's just, that's good because I like to learn things. So, um, definitely Tad, uh, I'll have you on the show and we can talk all about your restoration, Tad. So that I look forward to doing something like that. Um, here's another message from Tad. Whoops. <laughs> there we go again. Screwing it up. Hey, Chris. Just listening to this most recent podcast. Got through my messages. And I, I said through a text, but hey, I'm, I'm sorry about the F-bombs. Um, you know, it's kind of funny to say that you have a pretty heavy sailor, sailor voice. But uh, I was actually in the movie. Not a sailor sailor. I was in the, the Special Forces part of it. But I had that uh, side of me, too. Um, so I appreciate you standing up for me being a nice guy. But then that guy really pissed me off. Um, anyway, you're talking about the t-shirt design thing, and it made me think about the message I left related to how real your podcast is, and you know, you talked about hiring professional designers and stuff, uh, maybe reach out to everyone and, and get their opinion, but, you know, I would buy t-shirts, um, from you that had designs or pictures or stuff that, that people drew who are who are members of the podcast you know, i would be more up to buying that than something from a professional i mean my son has drawn me a couple pictures of uh different mopars i think one of them to start i'll actually send you a picture of it but you know i would buy a t-shirt from someone's kid or from someone who drew something themselves or designed something themselves um and support that uh anyway uh i just heard that morning to reach out but uh keep going man Sounds awesome. I like the the new format, this live format. I think in the future I'm going to get back on Facebook and some of the social media, just strictly just so I can interact on those live uh, those live videos and those live podcasts that you're doing. Uh, anyway, man, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, bud. These messages were these messages were back from early March, um, I believe, before Tad actually. Whoops before Tad actually came on the podcast. So um, I didn't know you were in the service, Tad. So thank you. Thank you to you and everybody else that has served in the military. Because without you guys, I would not be able to do this. <laughs> um, yeah, as far as the t-shirt thing, I've designed some t-shirts and they've sold really well. I have a couple best sellers on Amazon, believe it or not. And they're all tin grill shirts. <laughs> if you can believe that. If you actually go to amazon.com right now, and you look up, what's the keywords? I think if you look up classic truck shirt, one of my tin grill shirts, I believe will be on the first page. Maybe know, let's oh, just do it on your free time just to see if I'm right. But if you look up classic truck shirt, it would be a black and white shirt and it will be all the tin grills, the, the grills themselves from 1972 to 1980. Um, it, that shirt has sold so many. It blows my mind every it's almost like every day I sell a shirt. It's crazy. Um, you'd think I'd be loaded by now, but it's just not the case. <laughs> it's actually how I make a lot of the money to fund the website and all that other stuff. Um, it's also going to be bringing in money so that I can give away cool stuff. Um, going forward, I'm basically just giving away stuff that I have right now, which I don't want to give away my whole collection. <laughs> I really, 
it was really tough for me to give away this poster. Signed by Mr. Norman, Norm Jr. But uh, I have an extra one. So um, I thought it would be really cool to give that away. And that's what we did. So let's get back to these stories here. Or these messages, I should say. Tad again. <laughs> hey, Chris. Uh, Tad, just listening to uh, the end of the podcast, this most recent one, talking about you know the difference between a, a total project and a rolling driving project and someone who bought a car for 40000 versus someone who builds a car. And um, it made me think because I have to be honest, I've always had this this kind of sourness towards those guys that are standing next to this perfect car and representing that car, but they didn't do any work on it. I think what you're saying is a little different. I mean, I agree with the running driving project. I mean, you bought the truck, you're still putting your touches on it. You're still putting time and money and effort into it and, and going through some of those not so fun times, like with your exhaust situation and driving to the shop. Um, I was trying to think about why I had that feeling of that sourness towards, towards those guys who just buy the finished, the finished product. Um, <clears throat> I remember being at a show oh, a couple years back and there were three, I mean, totally perfect, brand new looking road runners next to each other. And the guys that owned them were, you know, retirement age. Um, but I remember talking to him. I was, I was super curious. I just got my super B, wanted to take pictures. So I had things to reference. And I just remember all three of them, all they kept saying was like, Oh, I spent $50,000 to have this car built. Oh, you better prepare to spend a ton of money to get this done. Or at all. Just, I mean, just their attitude about it was like that they were standing there, chest puffed out talking about how much money they paid someone else to restore their car. And yet they're at the show, like representing it, like, like it's theirs, which it is because they bought it, but like they did the work. So I think that's my sourness is once you do go through the process of working on it and, and even working on a rolling or running driving project, you feel it, man, you, your literal blood, sweat and tears are in it. And you know what it took to get it there. And the only comparison I can put towards it is maybe these guys that spent tens of thousands of dollars paying someone else to do the work, maybe they had a, a shitty job or maybe they have a tough job or maybe they worked long hours and that was the hard part for them. Um, so I get it. I mean, I, I that's the only sourness I have towards it, but I think a rolling running driving project buying that driving it working on it fixing it up is is as comparable to and that was the end of his message i think he continued it here i see you guys in the chat don't worry i'm not ignoring you i'll i'll talk to you in a minute sorry uh cut off there um i think having a running driving project is as comparable to a complete project just because you've done the work. I mean, I think about standing at a show with my car and people asking me questions and I know for sure I'm going to have the answers to them as far as 
how long did this take or how hard was that or oh man this must have sucked and being able to talk to them about that versus someone who paid someone else to completely restore their car and it's like oh what do you got there or you know how was it hard getting that in there and they're like uh uh yeah i I guess so or you'll have to ask jimmy over here because he did all the work um that's my only comparison but you know what as long as everyone's having fun with their cars then that's the most important thing um man you you mentioned that and i had so many thoughts but uh anyway i think i think uh yeah project whether it's a full project or not i probably won't do another one man after the super v i'm i'm definitely buying a running driving whatever it is next um but uh, anyway thanks uh thanks for the new episodes this this longer uh segment here um keep working on the truck man look forward to seeing it i'm gonna i may even try to get to mo party in september that's kind of the goal i set in my head after i heard that you guys were going to be up there and just kind of really heard about the show i was like ah that's a good goal i don't know how i'm going to get the super view there but i'm going to try to get it done and uh and get out there whether i drive out there or whether i trailer it out there but um i won't say that i'm going yet but um that's that's a a light goal that i'm working towards all right man talk to you later all right let me address tad here and then uh we'll jump in the chat for a minute um i completely i understand where tad's coming from uh i've been to shows where I I can't remember the car exactly, but I remember, God, I think it was 2017. I was at a show in Everett and uh, there was a guy with a 70 Charger. And if I remember right, it was a Hemi car. Um, gosh, I know his wife was there and they had a little dog. And I asked the guy something and he gave me some attitude. And I was just praising his car. And I was just like, God, that was a little, was a little messed up. You know, and then it occurred to me because I started talking to his wife because he walked away from me and started talking to some other guy. I don't know if he just didn't think that uh, I was worth talking to or what, but it was pretty insulting. And I was talking to his wife and she spilled the beans that he bought the car and had it shipped up here because it had all this documentation, a beautiful car, really cool photo album with all the pictures and stuff. And uh, once I realized what was happening, I was like, all right, well, now it's my turn to get back. And this is where I was kind of a jerk. I was like, oh, oh, so your husband didn't didn't do any of this work. This this was all somebody else's work. Oh, OK. And she was kind of oblivious to what I was doing. I was just doing it for my own sick satisfaction because I was like, I hope that you tell him that you talked to this kid <laughs> and uh, he kept asking questions because the guy just was not nice to me. Maybe he was having a bad day or whatever, but he was a jerk to me for no reason. I was just trying to tell him what a nice car he had. So if that guy's ever listening to the show, um, you made a mistake, dude, because he could have been on talking Mopars. <laughs> um, but I, I totally understand where you're coming from, Tad. And to be honest with you, if I didn't know Murray, the guy who originally built my truck, um, I would have thought it was a cool truck, but I probably wouldn't have pursued it as hard because knowing the guy who put that initial blood, sweat and tears into the truck to make it look so cool that was really special to me. And, uh, you know, it just, it, that's the way it worked out. Do I wish I had built that truck? Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, 
I have thought about, you know, when I got rid of my dart and I was like, oh, I was just in over my head and yada, yada, yada. And time, you know, I work an average of, I don't think I've seen less than 52 hours for a normal work week in months. Um, just last week I worked, uh, 58 hours and then having a young child and a family, you know, it's, my time is very limited. That said, as this show progresses and I get, uh, some more funds rolling in, hopefully I can not be spread so thin. And I would love to be able to quit my job someday and just do this. And the level of the level of this show and the content I provide would be insane if I could do this full time. I promise you that. But um, I definitely want to take on another project car, like a real project, like a long term project in the future. I need to move out of this house and get a house with a shop um, so I can build a legit studio in the shop. Um, I have so many goals with that kind of stuff. So hopefully that happens. And because um, I really I don't think that you really live the entire Mopar life. You know, and this is coming from me. Like, I'm not living the real Mopar life. I should have a project car in the garage that is completely torn down that I'm restoring myself. That's really living the Mopar life. Now, anybody that doesn't, myself included, doesn't mean you're not a Mopar enthusiast. But there is something to be said when you can say, yeah, I built this car from the ground up. I stripped it all the way down to a bare shell. And now here it is. Um, there's something about that. I definitely see... Um, the cool factor is just unbelievable to say that you built the car and you did all the work or a majority of the work of, on it yourself. That's definitely uh, bragging points. You know what I mean? I respect anybody that can build a car from the ground up. I've never done it. Do I want to do it? Do I want to give it the best go at it? I can. Yes, absolutely. It's going to take some time, but uh, it'll be something it's on my bucket list of things to do as far as Mopars go. So there's actually <laughs> on uh is it Thursday night or Wednesday night? I think it was Thursday night. Anyways, I went over to my friend's house. If you've been paying attention to my social media, I posted the uh, 75 D100, the black one that's got some rust issues, um, runs and drives. Uh, it's, a, it's a great little ratty 10 grill truck. Um, my friend is selling it. And he was the same guy that had the butterscotch, the L5 um, 71 charger that uh, the guy I know locally bought um, that I really wanted and I couldn't get because I on my birthday last year, I went over to this guy's house because his friend told me about this truck for sale. I really wanted to see it. So I went over to initially look at that truck, the truck that I posted. I was going to buy that truck, but something else caught my eye and it was that 71 Charger. And eventually it got sold. I could never make the deal happen. Um, although I had the money, I should have just pulled the trigger on it. Um, but then I probably would have ended up selling it just because of where I'm at right now. But, um, so there was that a 70 challenger. And anyway, I've been talking to this guy that owned these vehicles, these Mopars, um, ever since through text message, I've only met the guy once. Well, finally, and because of COVID and all that BS, I just never had a chance to go back to his, his shop. Cause he has a bunch of stuff, stuff around his shop. Um, which is at an undisclosed location, by the way. Uh, but I go back to talk to him about the truck and try to help him sell it. And he's got some other stuff in the yard now moved around. And there's two B bodies, a 69 satellite. And I'll, I'll talk about the satellite first. So I go over and I look at the satellite 
and you know it's for you know a few grand or whatever i don't know the exact price um i don't even know if he how hard he's trying to sell it but uh i know that it is for sale and we'll be posting more about that later but um i was looking at that and i was like this thing is pretty straight and it's a f5 green um i thought it was really a really solid project car uh and i'm looking at the car i'm like wow and i'm kind of you know pretty interested in it and the corner of my eye catches another B body right behind it. I don't know how I missed it because <laughs> it was right behind. It. I guess I was just focusing on the, on the green one in front, but I look back and there is a 69 GTX black with red interior. And I, I lost my mind. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately it doesn't have uh, the center console. It is a column shift bench seat gtx but it is black with red interior and unfortunately it doesn't have uh an engine and i don't believe it has a transmission in it and the tag is gone which sucks but it is cool enough where it caught my eye i don't know why i think it might just be because it's uh black over red but uh i loved it and uh he gave me a price on it i'm doing <laughs> i know you're listening I want that car and I'm going to try to figure out how I can get it. <laughs> so for those of you listening, uh, buy a t-shirt. You can go to talkingmopars.com and go to the merch shop and purchase one of my t-shirts. <laughs> um, that'll, that'll help me get closer to that GTX, but, uh, I'm just going to save money. And hopefully by the time I can, uh, I can cash that thing out and bring it home. Hopefully, uh, I'll have a house with a shop by then, but who knows? Um, so he's got a bunch of cool stuff at his at his shop. I've got a bunch of pictures. I'm sl I'm slowly leaking them, um, just because I knew if I posted them all at once, there would be a million questions, and I'm still answering questions about the truck, and which I don't mind, you know, because I'm trying to I'm I'm the guy's friend. I'm trying to help him sell some stuff. Uh, so if anybody's looking for a ten girl project, you know, get at me. Uh, I know of one that's pretty decent. It'll be a fun little ratty Mopar project. It definitely needs some rust repair. If that's the direction you want to go, if you want something that's, you know, a show winner right off the bat, unless they have a rust class, probably not going to win any shows with this thing, but it does run and drive, which is always a plus in my book. Um, so it's, it's definitely one to consider if you're in Washington state. So if you are in Washington, you're interested in a tin grill project. Um, let me know. You can reach me at Chris at talking Let's jump into the chat really quick. I think my nose is whistling. <laughs> My allergies are going crazy. Um, what do we got? <laughs> Chris London, big red in the house. He says, I retrofitted a volt gauge inside my cluster. I really wanted to do that. And I, I should have got a factory volt gauge out of a tin grill, but instead I had it restored with just the ammeter. So we'll just, we'll let it ride and see what happens. Um, I wanted to keep it the factory look, but uh, we'll see. I might add one of those little three pod, uh, those little three gauge pods uh, under the dash, maybe at some point. I'm not sure yet. Darren says, let's talk Mopars. I got stories. I bet you do. I'm excited to talk to you, dude. <laughs> Big Red says, can't be any worse than CNN. I, I, I don't intentionally lie to anybody. If I say anything that's wrong, it's because I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, Gary says, I did a 68 Super Beast talking about restoring one. $30,000 in parts in two years. See, that's a good point. You know, sometimes you see a car, like that's why I bought the truck that I have. 
because I saw it and I was like, if I was going to build one, it wouldn't be that cool, but that would be something that I would strive for. So why not just buy it and save myself some trouble, you know? Um, but like I said, I do want another project. I am jonesing for a project. I have the van right now and that's, that's wetting my beak a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so I do have a project right now. I shouldn't act like I, I don't have a project and I'm deprived. I do have a project. Unfortunately, the van isn't going to be built from the ground up. I'll never be able to say that. But what I will be able to say is I bought it, I stripped it, and I started with a shell and worked up from there. So I'll be proud of that when I'm done. Um, but that's one of those things where I'm probably going to run it for a few years and then take it all the way back down and really hammer out the body work and make it look really nice because these vans are getting hard to come by and the ones you do come by are pieces of shit, okay? <laughs> and they need a lot of work and they're going for pretty good prices. So I'm excited that I have one and I don't have to worry about chasing one down because it's going nowhere. I will not sell that van and I will not sell this truck unless you come at me with a big old fat stack of cash. But the amount it would take to pry that truck from me would be, I've probably talked about this a couple of times already. It would be ridiculous. Nobody would pay me what I want for that truck. Um, that said, you can send all your offers to Chris at talkingmopars.com. <laughs> uh, Gary says uh, that the 68 Super B he built was a full rotisserie restoration. It had a 5.7 Hemi swap in it. That's pretty cool. Send me pictures of that or something or come on the show and talk about the restoration. Yeah, that's uh, one thing people, I think a lot of people aren't understanding this. This show is an open platform. If you have a cool story about Mopars, you just want to come on here and just BS with me about Mopars, we can do that. You know what I mean? I love talking Mopars with anybody and I love meeting new people. So... <clears throat> Feel free to reach out to me. If you really want to come on the show, reach out to me. Uh, Darren says, I want to talk with you about the black 70 challenger RTSE car you posted the other day. Uh, yes. Um, with the, uh, the reddish interior, uh, bronze interior. I can't, I can't think right now. I'm really tired. <laughs> um, I know exactly what you're talking about. The $150,000 one or whatever. I saw it on eBay too. Um, or did I post the eBay ad? I think I posted an eBay ad regardless. I've seen it a couple different places for sale and, uh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. Darren, do you know secrets or what? <laughs> Darren says I need a t-shirt so I can wear it around so he can get some publicity. <laughs> uh, Darren, how about this? Here's my challenge to you, Darren. If you can help me promote your episode of this show and we can get I want to aim for a new record. Let's say 5,000 views of that live stream, not at the moment of the live stream, but within a week, I will, uh, I'll send you a bunch of merch. How about that? <laughs> we'll get you a couple t-shirts, a sweatshirt, a hoodie. We'll get you some stuff. That's your challenge. So once we schedule something up, you're going to have to go around since you're so famous, you got to go around and tell people, Hey, I'm going to be on talking Mopars because the chat's going to be open. If people want to come in and talk all sorts of crap about chips, sorry, Darren, it's going to be, it's going to be open season, or you might have a bunch, a legion of Darren fans up in here, <laughs> just singing your praises. It'll be fun. I can't wait. So yes, I will get you some merch, but there is a challenge. 5,000 views. We'll say in five days. Okay. That would be a new record for a live stream of mine. Doug says, I had a 69 dart with a slant six back in 77, just got married and being 21 with a low paying job. 
The oil light came on and didn't have the money for oil until payday. With valves tapping for five days until I got oil, the old Slant 6 made it. No power engine, but it was bulletproof. I think that's why they stopped making it. No money for the dealership. I, The amount of stories I've heard about these Slant 6s is, is unbelievable. So that doesn't surprise me at all. And I think it's really cool. Awesome, Gary. Yeah. Um, do me a favor and send me an email and just remind me, hey, this is Gary with the Super B. Um, I talked to you on the live stream and I'll reach out to you that way. It's like, a, it's, uh, I've got so much stuff I need to remember that it's, it's just ridiculous. So, uh, an email to Chris at talkingmopars.com will send me the notification and it'll be right there at the top. So I'll get to that as soon as possible. And pictures. Oh gosh. It's going to be kind of hard to get to the, my messages right now. Um, without slowing this thing down. That's why, uh, I noticed that my computer started slowing down while I was live streaming and trying to pull up emails. So that's why we had to abandon the emails tonight. Sorry guys. Um, I actually have your messages on my phone right now, Gary. Uh, awesome dude. I will take a look at those later. Let's get back to the messages. Um, let's see here. Last message from Tad. Here we go. Send her home, Tad. Of course, I messed it up again. <laughs> oh, what a train wreck. All right. Forgot this, but I remembered the other thing I was going to mention. Uh, you mentioned your truck, uh, Chris, that you, you got to it, went to a good guy, and he's already making some good progress on it. Uh, when I bought my Super B, I got it from a guy on the East Coast. And uh, didn't never met the guy, um, but we went back and forth getting it shipped and stuff. But that was six years ago, I think. Um, and when I really started working on it and, and doing things, I, I once in a while I'll send them pictures and talk to them and stuff. And we've actually built kind of a kind of a long distance relationship. <laughs> Don't tell my wife, um, <laughs> but. Uh, he appreciates it, man. It was a car he wanted to do. It was his retirement project. He just, I don't know why he, he never really said why he didn't get to do it, but he moved on. Um, he appreciates all the pictures. And he said his wife even told him one day that the car couldn't have gone to a better person. Just seeing the progress that I've made and the fact that we keep in contact and he's able to kind of live the build through me. But, uh, so that's yeah, cool, man. I'm glad your truck went to that guy and, I, and I'm, and that you get to see it as it progresses and finishes. Um, all right, man. Talk to you later. Awesome, Ted. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, it's always cool when you sell something and it's not too far away from home. You know what I mean? You sell it to maybe somebody you know, or maybe you become friends with the person who bought it. Um, that's that's always cool. It's nice that you uh, you stayed in touch with that guy. That's pretty cool, man. Um, I would love it if everything I sold went to somebody I knew that way it would always stick around and I always kind of keep tabs on it. You know what I mean? Um, not like the stalkerish thing where like if you break up with a girlfriend or something and then you become friends with her new boyfriend, <laughs> nothing, like, nothing like that. <laughs> oh. Chris from Detroit has a 72, a 72 Cuda. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Send in the story or come on the show. Um, let's uh, see how many more phone calls we got here. 
Here we go. Here's one from the 16th of March. I'm so far behind on this stuff. I'm sorry, guys. My apologies. <clears throat> Let's hear from Mike. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, Chris, this is Mike from uh, Mike's Mopar Garage YouTube. Um, I wanted to, most of us have never had an opportunity to uh, buy one of the marquee cars, you know, Superbirds, Daytonas, Hemi-Cudas, all that kind of stuff, because of the fact that they're just so expensive, and uh, just most of us, uh, there's no way we can afford those. But I want to share a story of the one that got away that I was so close to getting that to this day, 35 years later, it still hurts. So in 1986 to 87 time frame, I was in U.S. Air Force Station in uh, Illinois. I used to go over to Indianapolis to the Hoosier National Car Show that was held in the infield, the Indy 500 track. So we used to go there all the time living in a car. So this time frame, 86, 87, I had been working part-time for several years and saved uh, approximately $3,000 uh, to buy a car. And so I went over there at that time to look at a car crowd. And so $3,000 would buy a really nice uh, used Mopar back then. So I was looking for a really nice car and walking through the car crowd, what did I see? A 70 Alpine. So I went over and looked at it, and it was only $5,000. I couldn't believe it. So our friend Mike cut out there, and I really want to know what was said. So I'm just going to rewind it a little bit. Something that was Alpine white. Let's see here. Let's try it. Let's try that again, Mike. 70 Alpine. So I went over and looked at it, and it was only $5,000. I couldn't believe it. Uh, the guy drove it there, so I drove. It was, uh, it was really rough, but it was there, and it was all complete, and it was a super bird for five grand. Uh, I offered the guy the $3,000 I had with me, and he turned it down. He was uh, pretty firm on the five grand. Uh, so throughout the day, I, I came back and forth several times trying to get him to come down to that three grand, and he would not budge. I even went so far as to grab a roll of quarters because, of course, this is well before cell phone days. I grabbed a roll of quarters and called my father, who was also in the Air Force, and begged and begged for him to send me $2,000. And uh, he just couldn't afford it, couldn't swing it. So at the end of the day, I had to walk away knowing that I could not buy a Superbird, and I was only $2,000 away from being able to get it. And uh, that was 35 years ago, and it still hurts today. Um, it all worked out in the long run. I got a really nice uh, 68 Charger RT, but uh, boy, that one got away and it hurt. Um, enjoy your podcast. Look forward to hearing many more episodes, and uh, thanks a lot. Have a good day. Mike, what a crazy story. A $5,000 Superbird, and you only have three grand in your pocket. Man, I, I don't know those struggles. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, Gosh, I don't even know. I can't even. That's like being so close to something you want so bad and yet so far away at the same time. I couldn't imagine that, dude. Um, I <laughs> This is going to sound really bad, but I mean, I'd be finding the nearest 7-Eleven going, hey, give me all your money. <laughs> so stupid. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but uh it's uh gosh, I couldn't even imagine that. Thank you for your service, by the way. Um, anybody in the military, obviously, I have uh, a deep respect for you, and I appreciate you. But um, gosh, man, <laughs> three grand in your pocket, and the guy has a five thousand dollars Superbird, and he won't budge on the price. Gosh, 
I can't even call you a low baller because back then, you know, that's, you know, kind of standard, you know, I see Johnny Mopar's in the, in the chat. He's like, huh? $5,000 Superbird. <laughs> um, hey, hey, you got a 68 Charger RT, you know, can't complain about that though, right? You know, uh, Mike's Mopar Garage on YouTube. Go subscribe to his channel, like his videos, give him, give him some watches, um, not some Rolexes, some watches on his YouTube channel. Okay. Watch some of his videos. Um, show him some love. An Alpine white Superbird, man. That's crazy. Um, how's my connection, guys? I see I'm actually hardwired right now, and it's showing me that I have um, an unstable connection. So I'm sorry if this is uh, shorting out on you guys. Yeah, holy crap on the Superbird. is right, Johnny. Yeah, that's nuts. God, five grand. Yeah. I, I don't even know what I would do. I Like I said, I'd rob a 7-Eleven. I'll be back in 10 minutes. I'd go rob a 7-Eleven. I'd come back, and at least I'd get a, a you know a little bit of time in the Superbird before I'm arrested. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, good. Thanks, Johnny. <clears throat> I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on here, but just for the sake of fun, I'm going to go ahead and throw the link to join me on the show in the chat. So you see that streamyard.com link. If you click on that, that'll put you in the green room and I can bring you on screen. If you guys want to chat, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on here. So Matt in Canada says it's good over there. Good, man. Awesome. I just, StreamYard shows me uh, what my connection is like. And it says my connection's awful right now, but... If you guys are saying it's good, I trust you. Let's see how many more messages we got. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tad again. <laughs> Tad, I love you, buddy. You're amazing. Hey, Chris, it's Tad. Time for another story time with Tad. <laughs> um, just wanted to catch you up to speed on my truck search. So basically the truck thing fell through, but, uh, randomly a buddy of mine who buys and sells a lot of cars, <clears throat> he, uh, about a year ago bought a 1985 Dodge Ram Charger, the 150 Royal SE Prospector 4x4. Um, anyway, he bought that. He put a lot of work into it, put 411s in it. I mean, basically, did all the mechanicals so it's just everything's brand new well i was talking to him about the truck the other day and he said oh, i'm i'm selling the ram charger and i was like holy smokes what and he said yeah, yeah i'm selling it he's like i was gonna paint it put a headliner and stuff and, and sell it for a little more but he's like if you want to buy it how it is that's fine so i'm like all right so uh he's like oh but my neighbor my neighbor said if i ever sell it they want um they went first chance at buying it. I'm like, well, get a hold of him and find out what's going on. So he asked his neighbor. Neighbor's wife says, nah, the wife doesn't want me to hook up with that thing right now. So anyway, um, I said, all right, let's check it out. He brings it over uh, this morning and took it out for a drive. We kind of talked about things, and I ended up buying it. So um, I got my truck, flash Ram Charger, but ended up working out better because it's got the back seats for the kids. Otherwise, I'm going to need a quad cab, but yeah, so uh, I'll send you some pictures uh, through text or something so you can see them, but ended up uh, scoring it, 
actually totally rust free. I mean, not even surface rust on this thing. Um, new tires, like I said, the new front and rear gearing, all new bearings. I mean, everything, everything is redone on it. He was driving it as his own truck. So he fixed it up so it would be reliable for him, but I uh, ended up getting it for 9,000. Um, so I'll send you some pictures, man. All right. We'll talk to you later. Right on, Tad. Yeah, I love Ram Chargers, dude. I don't even care. I, I like the pop top ones the best, but I'll take any Ram Charger. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, that's cool, man. I'm I'm happy to hear that you got yourself a Mopar truck. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> one more message from Tad. Uh, let me just check to make sure. Okay, I still have. Three people sent messages and we're already at an hour and a half and I don't want to take. So one thing that sucks about uh, the way I do my podcast is my podcast host is Libsyn. It's like the biggest podcast hosting site in the world, basically. And I cannot afford the super professional uh, plan. So my plan is limited to a certain amount of storage. And with these long lives, they take up so much storage that I'm really limited. That's why that's another reason, another reason why I waited to record the podcast because I only had about a half an hour worth of time to do a show to release last month with the storage I had. And I kind of wanted to do a live and I was like, ah, I don't want to do that. Cause then I'm, you know, I was just setting myself up for failure and then I fall asleep on the couch on Friday. So it didn't work out anyway, but, um, the longer the shows are, the less space I have. So what I'll probably do moving forward is I'll post this whole episode as a podcast just to kind of gauge the audience. Cause I don't know. Um, like I said, I don't have the power of editing. Uh, at least I'm not going to edit, um, the podcast, uh, for audio only. Um, but I, I don't have that magic <laughs> because like, uh, there's nights where I have really good nights where I can nail everything in one take and just go and not have to stop because I said something stupid and I want to erase it or anything like that. Um, this, when it's live, it's uncut, unfiltered. Let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? So sometimes it's a challenge. I've noticed that, that sometimes if I, if I'm recording the podcast, uh, like normal, then there's no dead air because I can cut that really quick, really easily on here. It's a lot harder. So when I'm trying to get something set up, it's, it's a pain, but I like doing live shows because um, it's a lot of fun. Johnny Mopar popping in. We'll get him on screen in a second. But uh, we've got Mike from Mike's Mopar Garage again. Uh, my friend Curtis, um, Irvin. Uh, we'll get you guys, we'll get your messages played on the next show. We'll close out the show talking to Johnny Mopar a little bit. I want to hear about some updates on the charger and stuff. So let's bring in Johnny Mopar, a favorite to the show. Johnny Mopar, what's up, brother? Not much, man. Hey, sorry for bad lighting and stuff. Uh, I am totally unprepared. <laughs> All good, brother. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's cool. Man, I uh, I was working on a charger today. And, uh, shit, I think around six or seven o'clock or something like that. I came in here and laid in the bed and gone. 
wiped out, man. <laughs> I just woke up and I was awesome. going online and I saw you were on still. <laughs> uh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, man. Uh, you know how I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought maybe. Yeah, it's still on. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I was planning on doing this, but I, I've been wanting to do a live version of the podcast where I do the normal routine that I did solo for such a long time. But I was so worried because I know that reading the stories was going to be a complete failure on my part. <laughs> I knew, <laughs> I knew, and uh, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But you know, I, I also didn't read any stories because I started. Uh, um, my buddy Steven sent me a car for high performance parts. It was a fifty-seven three hundred C, and I ended up trying to find some information on it, and I found a whole story about the car from the show. So I read the whole thing and it was just, I was just tripping over my own feet. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> it was so bad. So what have you been getting done on the charger, dude? Uh, so I've got the floors de-rusted. Uh -huh. um, man, this stuff is, that stuff, Coracil, that's pretty awesome. So the tool boards on the 68 charger, what's up, Big Red? And the uh, the trunk floor in the charger have a lot of surface rust. I mean, it there's some pinholes, but it's pretty solid still. Wow. Um, so anyway, I saw I was watching one of my buddies, uh, Duddy's Adventure, on YouTube, and he's he's got a two wheel drive frame. He's cleaning up and he's turning it into a four wheel drive frame for a Dodge, and he was using this Corsil stuff. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. It just kind of, it's, it, you know, the frame was all just surface rust. And you spread this stuff on there and it converts it. It turns it into a primer surface. It's like the really? rust turns really black. Yeah. And then you could just paint over it. And uh, so I was like, man, that looks pretty good. And then he was pointing to some other guy. It was called Decent Garage. So I, he was doing the bottom of a, a Jeep bed or a Jeep body. Mm -hmm. and putting this stuff on there and then painting over it he put he painted rust-oleum over it it came out pretty awesome so i thought man that's what i want to put on the charger so i spread that on the whole floor and it's cool because the charger is not very rusty uh but kind of in between there's a lot of little spots of you know specks of rust and stuff like that so i spread it over the whole floor and all those specks just turned black and the rust is gone converted and then um I was going to just rattle can clear over it. And then I was leaving work one day and I was like, you know what? Let me swing by uh, the local paint shop and talk to the guy there. I, I've gone there a few times. He's actually super cool. It's uh, Chuck and Leah over at Temecula Valley paint. And um, yeah, I was telling him I want to, I want to put a clear over it, but I want it. I don't want it to be like glossy, shiny. I want it to be a semi-gloss. So he sold me a pine of uh, this, this uh clear coat and depending on how much activator so if you mix it four to one it's like semi-gloss and five to one it's eggshell and then six to one it's it's flat you know okay so i painted it uh semi-gloss and oh man that's so awesome like i don't i don't know how you you know yeah how you touch rusty surfaces it just i hate i can't see how it <laughs> feels man and uh after painting it it's like oh it just if I mean, it's not like a smooth surface on a new car or anything because mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's so rough and stuff. But 
I could touch it. It feels so good. So today I was trimming carpet for the car and uh, trimming the uh, or gluing the uh, center console carpet. You know, the mm-hmm. carpet goes on the center console. So hoping to get that back into the car tomorrow and putting the seat belts back into it stuff. And Awesome. Yeah. So that's where we're at on the charger. Nice. Getting ready for those duct tape drags. I got to make it, man. It's got to, I got to give it the hard push, you know? Yeah, you do. So, I got to look at plane tickets because I still, the back of my mind, I really want to just go make an appearance and just check it out because I, I think it would be a, a tough one for me to miss. I think I would regret it. Yeah, I think it'll, I think it's going to be fun. I mean, uh, so I don't know if you saw uh, Steve Dolchik stop by the other day. Mm. Um, he had posted something on Instagram looking for an eight and three quarter rear end in Southern California. So I had messaged him. I said, well, you know, Dave Freiberger bought a eight and three quarter off of me, which he still hasn't picked up. If you want to ask him if you can have it, cause it looks like he's keeping the four nine inch in general mayhem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you can ask him. And if not, I have a C body eight and three quarter. Cause he's got a, he's got an A body eight and three quarter. He doesn't want to cut an original eight and three quarter down. He's going to sure. put it into his dart. He wants to put a fatter tire in his dart. So, uh, I don't know, like a week went by. He didn't answer or anything. Like, All right, whatever, you know. And then uh, last minute, he's like, yeah, I'm down here uh, uh, filming Engine Masters. So I'm in the area. Is there any way I can swing by, you know? <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, I sent him my number. And then luckily, I think it was Wednesday. I was like, I better, I don't know when he's going to come, you know. So I, I wanted to keep the third member out of it. So I was trying to beat the freaking drums off this thing. Oh my God. It was <laughs> so bad. I was so close to like, how you can just have it. You know? <laughs> but I kept at it and I felt bad because the drums were so banged up and bent and everything, you know, I was like, I'd hate to give it to him like that, but I kept fighting it. I got it out. I got the, nice. the drums off so I could pop the axles and take the third member out. But yeah, dude, he's a super cool dude. He came by and we bullshitted a little bit. I had to take, uh, I had to get off of work. At, I had to take a long lunch basically because oh. he was wanting to head back up to Bakersfield. So, but, uh, but super cool dude. Yeah. yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. I'm, Johnny knows everybody, dude. He's got all the connections. <laughs> <laughs> they might as well give you a TV show already. I don't know what they're wasting right. time for. Oh, <laughs> uh. Honey, Big Red, what's up, buddy? What's up, buddy? What's what's going on? What do you got in the background there? Oh, oh it's my 68 Cornet. Nice, nice. Awesome. Oh, the wagon. Yeah. Hell yeah. Nice, Big Red. Yeah. Hey, I actually... just posted a video of mine. I just fired up mine. And... I just seen it. Did you? Sweet. It was a couple days ago, right? Yep, yep. Badass cars. I like your shirt. Oh, <laughs> notice that? Yeah, thanks for, for representing. Good podcast. <laughs> I appreciate it. Sorry, man. This is my ninety <laughs> my ninety shirt. So. <laughs> I was actually out here working on a ATV. Oh yeah. Oh really? What are you doing? What are you doing to it? Uh, well, we got a, a trip going to West Virginia next weekend, and uh, this quad ain't been running for like three years. <laughs> uh, right on. I uh, okay. go ahead. I was gonna say, uh, with all the wagon stuff I've been seeing out there, 
and all the van stuff I've been seeing out there. I think there should be an event like vans versus wagons or something. Everybody brings yeah. their hot rod wagons and vans. <laughs> uh, Down. Yeah. The people movers. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's a great idea, Big Red. That's pretty good. <laughs> the people movers. Yeah. I like that. Awesome. And then you do races with people just packed in them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You probably make it a requirement. Like you're going to have at least four adults in the car for the vehicle yeah. van to have a fair weight <laughs> distribution or whatever. <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious. Uh, what's Darren say in the chat? He says, uh, I helped restore an Alpine white Superbird. It was a 444 barrel automatic with the shifter on the column bench seat. Very cool, Darren. Um, yeah, I, I would love to be every time I see a Superbird, I get this weird reaction because I'm always like, Hey, uh, can I just sit in it? <laughs> and they're always like, fuck no, you can't sit in my car. And I'm like, ah, it's worth asking. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> like, come on, let me sit in it. Fuck. That's why I always said, if I, ever get a crazy Mopar like if a kid came up to me like like a kid a child and they wanted to sit in the car yeah absolutely get in there enjoy it you know maybe it'll maybe it'll spark their interest in Mopars or something yeah. now on the flip side if a grown man was like hey can I sit in your car I'd be like uh maybe <laughs> like it'd be a little bit weird but I'm I'm a pretty nice guy if somebody wanted to sit in my <laughs> truck I don't know who would want to sit in the truck but if somebody wants to sit in the truck yeah go ahead and sit in it um something super rare might be a little bit weird but I I they're just cars, you know, they're yeah. really cool, but you got to let people experience that kind of stuff. I think, you know, um, I had, I had something kind of similar happen. Uh, I was the guy that got to sit in a car, but I was nice. down at Qualcomm stadium when they were still racing there. And there was a guy with a Viper, you know, the, the GTS, the, the bitch, like the first GTS, the bitch yeah. looking one. Yeah. Oh man, it's beautiful. Blue with white stripes. And this guy had it caged and he had nitrous like you look in the back window and you could see two big old nitrous bottles back <laughs> there right this thing was sick nice and i'm just drooling all over the car and he's like oh do you want to sit in it and i'm like no that's all right and he goes no, no, no go ahead go sit in it i'm like all right cool man that, those cars are hard to get in and out of but they he are. also had the cage so i was oh, surprised yeah. You know, I went to go sit in the car and it's like, you got to be a contortionist to get in there. And then once you get in the seat, it's trippy because it's just like that seat just perfectly conforms to your body. Like you, you felt like you're just at this, you know, control helm where yeah. they designed the car from your body out. You know what yeah, I mean? It was absolutely. like, wow, just everything was perfect. But then I had to get out of it, and it was like oh, I was pain in the ass, <laughs> man, like crawling I, out on the floor to get out of oh, the yeah. car. <laughs> I remember when I was at the Ben Snowbar auction. Um, I think he had three Vipers there. There was like an RT10, a GTS, and then a newer Viper, like a 03 or something like that. And uh, I was a little uncomfortable because I was like, I don't know if we could just sit in these things, you know. But they were all unlocked because it was an auction. It's like go check out the cars or whatever. Yeah, and. Uh, I'm admitting this now on the podcast. I I had this plan. I was like, I know lunch is coming. They're going to bring some food out or whatever. And I know people are going to be preoccupied eating and stuff. That's, <laughs> that's when I'm going to sneak over there and I'm going to sit in all of them and I'm going to take pictures and stuff. So I, I went over there when everybody was distracted and I opened the door. Nobody said anything. And I was like, what are they going to say? 
you know, the, this isn't disrespecting Ben, but he's dead. <laughs> he's dead. He's not going to complain about somebody sitting in his cars. And they're getting auctioned for all they know. I was going to buy one, you know, right? Because right. uh, they, they didn't go for very much. It was a crazy auction. Um, I think they had salvage titles or title issues, though. That was the problem. But I got wow. to sit in them, and I, I, I agree with you 100%, Johnny. They are they are nice to sit in, but getting out, it, it's easy because you drop in them. So it's like, all right, yeah. cool, I, I'm in. And yeah. when I had to get out, I was like, holy shit, this is. <laughs> so no, I, I, I'm not exaggerating. I literally yeah. like had to reach <laughs> over the bar and had my hands on the outside ground to crawl out of oh. the car. <laughs> It's definitely one of those cars that I, I, God, I would love to have one someday. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it would just be cool just to have, you know, take on cruises every once in a while or whatever. But um, Gary's talking about the product that you use. Johnny said he used a product like that. It reacted to the finished coat and my car got pimples all over it. What? He had to sand and refinish the whole car from the bare metal. That's crazy. Oh, man. Well, if you go to uh, if you go to my YouTube channel, you can watch the video where I spread this stuff all over the floors. So you could see what it does. You could it's I was surprised. I mean, you could see it's like orangey rust, and then it just start. It's like a milky, uh-huh. very milky type substance, you know. And then it starts turning purple, and then as it's sort of drying out, it's just like black. It's totally. I- I use that same stuff. I think I don't even know what it's called, but it's over on the workbench. It's in a rattle can, the stuff I got. Oh. And it oh. sprays on like a like a blue, like a die can blue. Okay. And then it'll all the rust will turn like satin black. Okay. It sounds like the same type of stuff. I've heard of guys using like acid from for cleaning pools or something like that also. Hmm. But and uh I don't know if it's nitric acid. My my buddies used nitric acid before, but I don't know. It seems like he never coats the metal or afterwards, and it's just it just turns to rust again, you know. Hmm. So, but no, the, the, what I used turned out great. It was awesome. Is it only good for surface rust, or can you use it on like some nasty stuff? Nasty stuff. The trunk floor, it's got some pretty heavy scaling. Even in the tow board on the passenger side, there was some really? pretty heavy scaling. What I did is I took a wire wheel on a on an end of a drill, mm-hmm. and I I just kind of lightly went across it just to knock off, you know, the 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 loose stuff basically, and then I coated over it. So yeah, and then in fact that four door sixty eight Cornet four door I have, the trunk floor and that thing is like really bad. I didn't even bother taking the wire wheel to clean it up i was just sort of screwing around just to see like well how bad how bad can it be to, to put this <laughs> on there and yeah i put it on there dude and it's does it's great and the uh the twister that i have that rusty roof on it i took a little spot and i spread it on there just to see yeah it's still holding up it rained the other day and it's still holding up so wow it, it's pretty amazing i'd say take a it, it was about I want to say it was just under 50 bucks for a gallon of it. And I probably used maybe half a gallon or so, maybe a little more than half a gallon, but um, I'd say try it on a test part, you know, if, if you're unsure, you know, um, and then see how it comes out for you. I also took a 70 satellite hood I had laying around. It was the paint was just burned off the whole hood. So the whole thing was just surface rust, had some light pitting on it. Yeah, I didn't prep it or anything. I just, I, I wiped it down is all I did. And then I spread this stuff on half of the hood just to see what it would look like. And then I sprayed the uh, semi-gloss on that half. And it's like, 
the patina looks pretty badass on it. I'm pretty stoked wow. with it. Yeah. And then I didn't even realize that I was, I was, uh, I was washing off the wagon and, uh, the hood was there and it was dusty. So I thought I'll wash off the dust. And when I did, it was like, Oh yeah, that's right. It's got paint on that side. So it's just totally beat it up. So it's like, it's protected, you know, even though it's rusty or it was rusty and now it's converted black, it looks like it's not perfect, but now that it's got the clear coat on it, it's like, it's sort of frozen in time. I mean, it's not like you're going to, you have to worry about it rusting away or anything, you know? So yeah, I'm pretty stoked with it. I'm going to look into that stuff. Cause uh, I was just going to sand down what I had to on the van, shoot it with some primer. And then uh, I was actually just going to get, probably a couple gallons or a gallon of um, some sort of encapsulator and just shoot it. Cause I have a compressor and a gun. And I was just going to shoot it in the van and then I was just going to do the truck liner stuff. This is um, on the inside. Yeah. On the inside of the van. Yeah. Dude, I, I, I wouldn't waste your time sanding yeah. it. I yeah. would, I would totally just coat this stuff. Just, and I just used like a paintbrush. Okay. You know, coat this stuff down, get it to convert. I mean, if you want it to be completely protected, I would buy the clear, you know, and spray, spray some clear over it and then just call it done. Because the problem is the roof of the van. Like, okay. if this van was upside down, it would feel like somebody glued sand to the roof is how yeah. bad the rust is on the roof. Like, I can run my hand across it and it just flakes off. But, like, yeah. really gritty, not just, like, flaky. It's, like, seriously gritty. I was like, oh, I don't know. I think I might have to sand that. But... I might just test it out and just see if that stuff works. Cause I would. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. If you got any scaling type stuff, I'd probably lightly hit it with the, yeah. uh, with a wire wheel. And I say lightly because like, if you take, if you completely take the rust off and it's say shiny metal, that shiny metal is just going to be shiny metal. You know, yeah. they, you actually kind of want the rust to be there to uh, convert so that you have it like i said it's like a primered surface now interesting paint over the top of it so yeah dude it's pretty awesome watch watch that video that i did and, and i will check your video out yeah see what you think and then if uh if you like how it looks then yeah do your own i was surprised too because the trunk floor when i did the trunk floor um it it was it's like almost all orange you know uh -huh. and uh when i spread it on there the whole thing turned black like like in the cab where it was rusty was black but in the middle where it's blue uh there's little specks of rust like i said but the blue pretty much stayed the same but in the trunk floor there was just like so much rust that and i don't know if it's like powder or dust that was over the blue whatever the whole thing was black so i ended up taking uh thinner paint thinner with a scotch bright and i rub the whole thing because it leaves like a like a residue mm -hmm. it's almost kind of sticky tacky so take paint thinner and kind of just took a, a scotch bright a light you know lightly rubbed it it was pulling some of the blue paint off unfortunately you know so i could see it getting thin you know but a lot of the blue came back you know i was surprised to see a lot of it you know, visibly there. And it made me, cause I was going to put Raptor liner, like trunk, like a yeah. truck bed. Mm -hmm. I was going to put that on the floors, but after I did all that and I was scrubbing the floors, it's like, man, it just, it looks so good. You know what I mean? Like, uh, 
I'm thinking I kind of want to show off the fact that this thing's got the original trunk floor still in it, you know, and you could see yeah. it with the, the blue that's there. It's not 100 percent, but there's a lot of blue left in the in the trunk that huh. I, I could kind of bring back. So that's why I went with the clear and the same thing in the floors and inside the cab. I was going to put Raptor liner in it, and I know it would protect it and you know, yeah. be like a nice, clean surface or whatever. Um, but I'm kind of happy with the fact that it's just uh, the original blue paint you can see. And uh, yeah, it's totally protected with the, the clear coat. I mean, if you wanted to do the van with the Raptor liner on the roof and stuff like that, like I don't see any problem with that either if you wanted to still yeah. go that route. But I kind of recommend doing the Coracil first, see what you what it does. And uh-huh. if you like how it looks, uh, I would clear it. You know, kind of keep that look because it it has a patina look to it. You know, okay. So I I didn't want to. It it matched the rest of the car, so that's yeah. why. I was worried about, worried well, and the it. and the inside of the van is going to be covered up anyway, so you're really not going to see yeah. it. Get, the I biggest the same thing. Yeah, the biggest thing for the van that I was thinking was that if uh before I get it all outfitted with you know whatever I do as far as the podcast kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um I kind of wanted to do some uh you know road trips with my family and stuff we got dogs so i was like oh they get in the back i yeah you're not gonna scratch nothing get back there dog (laughs) you know what i mean so right i was thinking about that but i i really haven't i really haven't locked anything in i gotta get the thing running (laughs) Uh, i'm back to square one two mopars that aren't running right now it's not good i saw that dude yeah i'm so bummed out for you yeah you know i were you no, stranded or something? Or no, no. I, I started it uh, on Friday morning because I was going to drive it to work, but I, I've been hesitant on taking it anywhere long distances because um, I have to replace a couple radiator hoses, and uh, you know, just my luck, I'd blow a hose or something when I'm at work or something stupid. So yeah. I was like, you know, I'll just take it on Friday, you know, because I felt like driving it to work, and I fired it up. It took a little coaxing to fire it up, but it hadn't been started in a few days, so I was like, all right, that's expected. And, uh, I got it idling and, uh, I went to go grab my backpack and some other stuff to throw in the truck to head to work. And I was about to get in and it died. And I was like, you're shitting me. So I get back in and usually if it dies, I can just fire it right back up. And this time it was, it was no go. And today I was supposed to take it to the exhaust shop to have the exhaust fixed, um, because it's leaking again. And I could not start the damn thing. I was like, shit. So I was like, all right, I'll shoot some, uh, dump a little gas in the car, prime the carb a little bit. Maybe that's the issue. It wasn't the issue. And I was getting fuel because <laughs> I didn't have anybody there to check. So I just put my phone over the carb and I could see it spraying fuel. So I was like, all right, well, we're getting fuel. Um, and uh, I pulled the bulkhead connector because I it's one thing that I have not done yet. And I, I knew it had to be done, but I was like, oh, I'm going to put the new cluster in it. It's going to be fireproofed and all that fun stuff. So I can just wait until that happens. Nope. <laughs> nope. So from now on with this truck, when I think, oh, I can wait to do whatever, I'm just going to do that immediately because this truck is telling me something. So it definitely has some issues. Do you think fireproofing the uh, ammeter like moved the problem upstream? It has. has, I haven't I haven't installed it yet. So once it's installed, that's why I was saying. Of course, when I when I'm getting ready to put the new gauge cluster in, of course now it won't <laughs> it won't yeah. start. So now I'm having the problem. But uh, it the connector looked corroded enough where I think I can clean it up and just get it in my garage. 
Yeah. Um, once it's in the garage, then I can take a better look at it. And I might, I God, I, I really wanted to keep it as original as possible um, with the original connector. Cause when everything's connected, you can't tell that it's burnt up at all. Yeah. But when you pull off um, the connector from the bulkhead, you can see on the bulkhead, how, how it melted right by that uh, wire. So I was like, all right, well, so I just got to look at it a little closer and see what I can do. But I ordered a new seal for it and some other stuff. So we'll see. And I got to get the connectors because I'm going to I'm probably going to end up replacing the connectors just to make sure they're brand new. So I don't have to worry about it. But if I can get it running now, I'm just going to get it running now, get the new cluster in it and then um, try to enjoy it for the summer. The whole plan was to enjoy it for the summer and just not touch it yeah. very much. But now yeah. now I'm like, all right, I got I got to go through the, the basics of these things. Um, so I hate it when that happens. Yeah, you know, right. I, and I kind of expected it. I was, I was, you know, I, I keep saying, I was like, I was taking advantage of it. Like, oh, it's running. I'm going to go enjoy it instead of doing what I needed to do and go through the truck. So now it's definitely sent me some signals like, hey, you neglect me. I'm going to treat you <laughs> the same way. So this that's what I got. going to be on eBay soon, right? No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's going to roll across Barrett Jackson. I'm not messing with oh, eBay. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I, I know what it's worth, Johnny. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dude, did you guys? I, I posted this. I was on eBay looking for cars to post today. And some jack wagon has a 70, I think it's a 74 Barracuda for a hundred grand. It is the most absurd shit. He has to be trolling. I can't believe anybody would actually post a 74 Cuda for a hundred grand, but uh, I've seen crazier stuff actually, maybe not crazier, but I've, I've seen some crazy stuff. So it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> wow. But no, yeah. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Check it out. It, it's insane. It's just one picture and it looks like it's in a barn and I'm like, this has to be a, the ultimate eBay troll. It has to be. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely has to be trying um, to find their sucker. Yeah. Uh, God, I couldn't even imagine. Could you imagine some kid wins the lottery or something? He wants a cootie. He's like a barn fine cootie and buys this thing for a hundred grand, not realizing anything. <laughs> you know, he just thinks a cootie is a cool car. Oh man, that'd be rough. But, gosh. So, so I'm dying, Big Red. Uh, I you probably said what you were gonna do with the wagon before, and I apologize if you did. But you know, the Mopar world, it's like you get a million Mopar things coming at you and they jumble them all together. And so it's yeah. like uh, I don't know if he was putting a Viper motor in it or a 318 back in it or what. So uh, what, what was the plans with the wagon? It's a it was a 273 904 car. Okay. I mean, nothing special. Uh, the motor and trans is long gone. I actually got a Dakota, a two thousand two Dakota RT okay. with no title, and I'm putting the Engine, trans, and rear end, fuel injection, harness, everything in it. Okay, cool. It's so actually, thing. it's actually mostly everything's in there right now. Oh, nice! So wow. you'll be able so, to just drive across the country in this thing and get decent uh, mileage out of it and stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping. Right on. That'd be Way cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. I uh, <laughs> before I got rid of my blue truck, I really. I think I talked to with Johnny and a couple other guys about it. I really wanted to get a salvaged SRT eight grand Cherokee and make it all wheel drive with, with a 6.1. <laughs> I thought that would be pretty cool, but you know what they say about dreams? You wake up. Oh, I, know. <laughs> I know. Man, uh, it's like, I don't know. The older I get, the less time I realize I have. Oh, look at that. Right. That thing's badass. Um, 
I try to I try to dumb it down as much as possible where it's like as basic as possible. Yeah. Because I just have too many projects. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's sweet. Like too buried to get to. Yeah. (laughs) Understand? Well, you got that thing torn apart. Dash is out. Doors are running the the HVAC system out of the Dakota. Oh really? Okay. Wow. Nice. Yeah, that's a hell of a project, man. Cool. How long have you had that thing? Uh. Three years. Okay. Yeah. Nice. As as Johnny Mopar would say, bitching. That's going to be bitchin'. really bitching. <laughs> I like it. All nice. the bling is covered up right now. <laughs> cool, man. Awesome. All right. Well, two hours is going to take a fat chunk of my storage, so we're about to call. <laughs> we're about to call it for the night. But let's run through this chat really quick. Just make sure we don't miss anything. <laughs> Darren says Russ never sleeps. It seems like I never True. sleep these days, especially on the weekends, man. Uh, come Monday, I'm like, God, did I get any sleep or did I get two or three hours of sleep every night? It's ridiculous. Um, have you, have any of you guys have a car? Have any of you guys ever had a car dipped? I have not. No, I have yeah. not. I I have uh, stripped a Hot Wheel or two. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I've got I've got one right here. Um, I took a. 69 daytona hot wheel or it was an m2 machine and i stripped it to make it look like a little diorama like it was found in a field i thought it would be a cool little addition for my office i'm really (laughs) proud i'm really proud of that one it's the only i'd be be worried about dipping a car because you're getting rid of all the all the coating that you can't see true yeah yeah i you know because i think the factory did something like that didn't they because i think they i think they dipped the cars as well but i think they uh well they i don't i don't think it was acid to because there's obviously no rust i think it was like a a coating that went on the car that protected the metal and before it went off to like their primer and paint um but i would imagine if you're going to acid dip the car to get rid of all the rust you'd probably want to dip the car into some sort of like a uh, treatment you know so that because yeah there's a lot of areas in between you know panels that you can't really you can't really get to so if you remove the old you know whatever's left in there and it's just raw and you can't get in there to coat it i, I would imagine that'd be a spot to rust you know like inside the frame rails and stuff like that you know, you're not going to cut every panel off of it to treat it and then weld it back in. I think the better thing to do would be to, you know, that like dustless uh, sandblast or something, mm-hmm. something like that. So mm. it's just from the outside. And then they usually primer it, primer seal it or something or treat it somehow. I guess if you had just a bare skeleton and you had nothing left of the car and you just wanted to dip it, I guess. That would that would be good. I don't have any experience with that. But. Uh, Vic's my buddy on Vic's Garage on mm-hmm. YouTube. He's got a '71 Charger. He completely took apart. He was looking into dipping it as well, but he ended up taking it and having the dustless uh, sandblast done to it. So the car right now, last video I saw that he posted, it was completely stripped, hmm. and then I I think they were about to put a sealer on it or something like that. Uh, right on. Uh, Darren says, I got 
I got church this morning. This is church. This is the church of Mopar. Welcome. <laughs> and the sermon's almost over, buddy. <laughs> uh, the factory dipped the lower half of the cars to treat the frame rails. You can see the line on the firewall when it's stripped of paint. Interesting. I'll have to look for that next time. Darren says the cars being dipped are not dipped in some sort of protectant after being dipped in acid. Interesting. Okay, good. Well, there you go then. So Very interesting. All right, guys. It's been over two hours. Thanks for joining me, Big Red and Johnny Mopar. <laughs> Last yeah, minute guests. That's awesome. Yeah. I was wondering if anyone was going to join me and uh, you guys came in to save the day and I appreciate <laughs> it next time. Uh, right next time, hopefully it'll be earlier and hopefully Johnny won't be waking up from a nap and <laughs> <laughs> we can, I think the next one we do, um, it probably won't be a podcast because I, I always get weird with it because I'll, I'll end up posting it as a podcast and it'll take up like a whole month worth. Cause it's, you know, four hours long or something crazy. Yeah. So I, I probably won't be posting them too much as podcasts. Um, exclusively anymore unless i can get a couple more subscribers and i can this sounds like i'm selling people on subscribing to my stuff but I, I just need a little bit more cash so that i can up my plan because i think the next tier up is like joe rogan tier and i don't need that much but yeah, yeah. with with these lives if i want to keep posting two hours i mean if i did one every week you know eight hours of just live streams not including the regular podcast if i could i would do the live streams and then i would do several little podcasts that way it's like Every week you get three pieces of content that you can listen to. That would be cool, but we'll see. We'll see moving forward what what the future brings for talking Mopars and all my friends. So, <laughs> thanks for joining me, guys. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. Thank you for sticking it out with me to the very end. I know it was a little rough around the edges. That was my first live streamed solo regular episode. And thankfully, I had a couple friends join me at the end because it was it was a little rocky road there. But we made it through and I can't wait to do it again. It's going to be fun. I'm going to need some practice. So bear with me. But I hope you guys had as good of a time as I did. For everything you need to know about this podcast, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And don't forget that you can send me your questions, comments, complaints, stories, and everything else on your Mopar addicted mind to Chris at TalkingMopars.com. Or you can leave me a voice message on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR, and I will play your message on the show. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars Live. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.